episode 767. The Green Bay Packers released veteran running back James Starks on Tuesday, one of the heroes of Super Bowl XLV. So what happens at the running back position now? We'll ask Andrew Mertig of PackersTalk.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and we're talking about the release of James Starks today. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the line. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We have Andrew Mertig of PackersTalk.com. Mr. Mertig, how you doing this morning? Very good. How are you doing, Brian? Good. Glad you could join us on the show once again. I think we talked this past summer about quarterbacks, if I remember correctly. But thank you, Andrew, for coming on. Um, did the release of James Starks catch you by surprise? And from a production standpoint, was it the right thing for the Packers to do? Uh, it, it absolutely didn't catch me by surprise. I, I thought this was the easiest roster decision that, that Ted Thompson had to make. Um, the salary cap savings versus the production of James Starks, um, it just made no sense to have him on the roster anymore. Um, I, I think really when you look at Starks um, from a production standpoint, he, he seemed to have lost that step. You know, that when, when running backs hit 30, you always hear about that that sort of wall that they they hit. Um, I thought Starks was, uh, looked a step slow this year. He he was very indecisive. He he did a lot of running uh, east and west instead of north and south. And, and so I thought I thought that was uh, a, a pretty easy decision for the Packers to move forward without James. Yeah, uh, it was going to come sooner or later. Uh, we just perhaps maybe didn't know the day it was going to happen, but uh, the Packers move on from James Starks. Okay, Andrew, where do the Packers go from here at the running back position? Because Ty Montgomery is the only halfback under contract for 2017. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think they have a good thing. I think Montgomery can, can definitely be a, a starter in the league. Um but but depth is, is a huge issue as as was proved during this season. Um, and I think you know maybe looking at uh, re- re-upping with John Crockett um, if he can rehab from the injury. Um, Eddie Lacy, Kristen Michael um, would would be players that could potentially be brought back. I think Lacy um, he's probably looking at a one year prove it kind of contract um, where he can come back a little bit cheaper than what they would have expected last off season. Um, and and maybe have an opportunity to be sort of that that thunder and lightning with with Ty Montgomery. Um, Chris and Michael is, is is a frustrating guy for me because he seems to have all the talent, um, but really hasn't um, demonstrated a good knowledge of the playbook. Um, sometimes his field awareness isn't the greatest, um, so that could be a possibility. And then of course looking to the draft, I think you know as always there's there's running backs that are going to be available in the middle mid to late rounds that can make a big difference and an impact on this team. Yeah, uh, I would expect the Packers to add a rookie running back at some point in 2017. In um, other personnel moves, Andrew, the Jets claimed defensive lineman Mike Pinnell on Monday. Do you think the Packers made the proper decision releasing him? 
Well, I, I mean, I, I do think, despite the the Packers seeming to be a little reluctant to ever have players on the, the roster with lots of off-the-field issues, I think if the talent is there, um, there's there can be room for some of those players, um, as long as they have a strong locker room, which I think clearly the Packers do. Um, with Pinnell, I don't think that his on-the-field production ever really made up for those off-the-field issues. Um, Pinnell was a... a a good run stopper, um, but I think those guys can be available um, relatively easily, um, and, and I don't think his his uh, impact on the, the pass rush game was enough to justify keeping him around. So I'm sure you know Jeff will take a good hard look at him, but um, I, I don't think that he's ever more than just a rotational player. So I think Pat should be all right without Pinnell. Yeah, you make a good point. Had he been a, an absolute stud, the Packers could probably forgive a lot of those problems, but he's kind of a, a run-of-the-mill as, as far as uh, defensive linemen go. Um, but, Andrew, the, the NFL made it official, releasing the first-round draft order after the Super Bowl with the Packers selecting 29th overall. Do you think they'll be able to get the help they need picking that late in each round? Um, you know, it- Typically, I would say it's difficult to strike uh, gold later later in the rounds. Um, certainly, there's teams that do it consistently every year. You know, if you look at the Patriots or, or the Seahawks, um, they're able to find those gems later in the draft uh, or maneuver their positions uh, in order to find that impact player. The one good news is clearly the Packers' number one need is cornerback, um, and this just happens to be one of the deepest drafts at cornerback we've seen um, for quite a few years. Um, I would say, you know, with first and second round grades, there's some, some pretty big impact players. Um, and, and the nice thing is, because there's so many of those players, they'll start to slide in the draft. Um, so they might be able to get somebody at the end of the first round um, who, who might typically have a, a mid-first round grade, um, like Keith Tabor from Florida or uh, Sidney Jones from Washington. Um, Adoree Jackson from USC is my personal favorite. Um, just because of the ridiculous ball skills that he has. Um, but but I think, you know, they can find really good value in the first round at cornerback. And if they wanted to do sort of like they did with Demarius Randall um, and Quentin Rollins a few years ago and double dip in the first and second round, there's some really good value to be found at cornerback in the second round. Um, guys like Jordan Lewis from Michigan, who Badger fans may remember for the ridiculous one-hand interception at the end of the Michigan-Wisconsin game. Uh, Tredavious White from LSU. I, I, you know, I haven't dove super deep into the evaluation process yet, but there's going to be good value at corner, and, and obviously the Packers have some need there. We're talking to Andrew Mertig of PackersTalk.com here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Andrew, Las Vegas odds makers have already released the odds to win next year's Super Bowl, installing the Packers at nine to one behind only the Patriots and tied with the Cowboys. Does that sound too high, too low, or just right? Um I think people always are a little overreactionary to Las Vegas odds. One one of the things, I mean, odds makers are, are going to um, take into account who's going to be betting for those teams. So the most popular teams always have a little bit higher odds than, than they probably should. Um, and because the Packers are, are a national presence, um, of course, they're going to be a little bit higher than they should. I don't think the Packers should be considered the third best team um, or the third favorite for, for the Super Bowl next year. There's just too many glaring weaknesses on the defensive side of the ball. 
Um, there's some uncertainty at the offensive line. Certainly pass rush was a major issue down the stretch. Um, and then the defensive backfield, we don't know what, what the moves are going to be there. So I would say 9-1 to one is way too high. Yeah, maybe a lot of those questions will be answered in the offseason and free agency and the draft. It just takes time to work your way through those kind of things. Uh, but that made a good transition to uh, the most recent article you yourself published at PackersTalk.com. You wrote about the Packers imitating teams in the Super Bowl, this this you know just completed Super Bowl. Can you kind of give us the gist of that article in, in, uh, in a nutshell and what you mean by that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, as as Packers fans, people are are always frustrated in the offseason with Ted Thompson because it seems like things aren't happening um, the way that we want him to. He's not going out and signing big, high-priced free agents. Um, I think the NFL has sort of proven over the years that that's not a great strategy, and and that you know Ted's conservative approach has obviously paid off, and the Packers have been really good for a very long time. Um, but I think if you look at the way the Falcons and the Patriots rosters are constructed, you see a model for maybe not making huge splashes in free agency, but making more uh, modest moves that, that have a, a really big impact. I mean, if you look at the Falcons roster, um, a wide receiver, Taylor Gabriel, that they picked up from the Browns. Um, you have Mohamed Sanu, which was sort of their big splash in free agency. Um, Alex Mack at center, Dwight Freeney, Adrian Claiborne. Uh, they have Brooks Reed, Courtney Upshaw. They traded for Andy Levitre. They saw areas where they were weak and where they had a big need, and they addressed them. Um, and, and they found players from other teams' rosters that would cut. They, they found true free agents. They even made trades. Um, and, of course, we all know about the Patriots. They're constantly roster tinkering. They're, they're looking at, uh, you know, I mean, the wide receiver core is Michael Floyd, Danny Amendola, Chris Hogan, all players acquired from other teams. Um, Martellus Bennett, Blount, uh, their defense is just packed with guys that were picked up. Um, they're not afraid to, to move a, a mid- to late-round pick for a player that they think can, can um, really make an impact on the roster. And I, I think it's time for the Packers to start acquiring players from sources other than just the draft. Um, and, and I mm-hmm. think that can, that can be done by not just making those, those huge impact moves like Julius Peppers with a huge contract, but by making a, a series of, of smaller moves, getting some veterans in here on smaller contracts um, that can make a difference right away. There's been a lot of discussion already about the Packers getting more involved in free agency this offseason. Whether or not that comes to fruition, I guess we have to see with Ted Thompson, but it's interesting. Uh, Andrew, one more question before we let you go. Had the Falcons won the Super Bowl, there was a good chance the Packers would have traveled to Atlanta for the annual season opening Thursday night game. Would you have liked to have seen that, or are you happy the Packers don't have to play in that game? Well, it, it's always nice as a fan to have four less days to wait for the season to start. Um, I, I certainly think there's some advantages to playing that opener um, in that you get sort of an extra half a bye week, um, that you know, starting on a Thursday and, and sort of um, getting that extra 10 or 11 days off um, before week two. Um, but being that the Falcons are a very good team and a tough test, I think it's better for the, the Packers maybe to start off with a with a little bit of easier schedule. Um, you know, not to say that their first opponent won't be as good as the Falcons, but um, I, I'm hoping for a little bit more balanced schedule with home and away games this year. I'm hoping that they can start off with with some of those 
easier games because they are going to have a lot of players on defense that are young. Um, they're going to need to build confidence, especially at the cornerback position, um, or rebuild their confidence in the case of Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins. So um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that, that they, they get to start off, um, you know, maybe at home um, against a divisional opponent or, or um, something of that like. So I, I think it's a good thing that we're, we're not going to see the Sultans week one. Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Greatly appreciate your insight on James Starks and all the other topics we talked about. Uh, keep up the good work there at PackersTalk.com, and uh, love to have you on again. Thank you. All right, take care. Andrew Bye. Mertig of PackersTalk.com joining us here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. The Green Bay Packers released James Starks on Tuesday, and to give the full background, Starks was released with a non-injury designation. He, of course, hadn't played since December 12th upon sustaining a concussion in an automobile accident. You do feel bad for Starks about that. No one should wish injury upon anyone. The question, however, is would the Packers have released Starks without the concussion? And the answer is most likely yes. Um, Starks played very poorly even prior to injury in 2016, which was perhaps odd when he came off arguably the best season of his career in 2015. And it's interesting to, to say he had the best season of his career he he very well might have from like a rushing and receiving standpoint in 2015, but from a fumbling standpoint, it may have been his worst as well. Uh, so maybe you, you know, all things added up, maybe it was just an average year for, for James Starks, but he, he ran so well in 2015 that perhaps the, the, the drop off there uh, so precipitously uh, this, this past season was, was stark, um, for Starks, <laughs> but, but that happened, that happens to running backs. They, they can fall off the side of a planet. Um, now the good news for the Packers is they'll save nearly $3 million in salary cap space with this release. Uh, the Packers, however, are still on the hook for $750,000 in 2017, which is half of his signing bonus from last season. Uh, I did think the Packers overpaid a little bit for Starks as a free agent last offseason, but there's nothing they can do about that now. Um, and and now we look at, at what the Packers do from here. Um, like Andrew Mertig said, um, I, I don't think it was a surprise that the Packers released James Starks, it, it was just maybe the timing of it. You didn't know when precisely it was going to happen. Was it going to happen yesterday? Was it going to happen today? Was it going to happen during the NFL Combine or around the Combine or, or sometime before the start of free agency? It could have happened any time in that time, you know, a month time frame. We just didn't know the day. I think it was pretty much inevitable that it was going to happen. Um but, but again, getting back, where the Packers go from here? As mentioned before, Ty Montgomery is the only running back under contract for next season. I believe the Packers will make an attempt to re-sign Eddie Lacy this offseason. I've said this before, but it's going to be a one- or two-year contract. It's going to be a prove-it kind of thing. Um, and, and I think 
you know, I think James Star or pardon me, Eddie Lacy will be back in Green Bay in 2017 because I think the offers he's going to get from other NFL teams are just going to be in the same neighborhood. And all things being equal, you know, why not go to the place where you already know the systems and the players around you and the the division opponents you're going to face twice a year. I mean, all those things kind of just make you want to stay put and stay in place. Um, and it's going to be very much like, you know, remember when, when with Jermichael Finley, uh, another Packers player a few years ago, who when his rookie contract came up, uh, kind of in the same same boat as, as uh, Eddie Lacy. Two players who are talented but frustrating, and you know this 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 contract for them was going to be motivation probably. Jermichael Finley I think signed a two year contract. I don't know if Lacy gets a two year, maybe a one year, maybe two. I I don't know. Uh, but regardless, it's going to be a prove it kind of thing. And I think he comes back and, and just basically him and him and Ty Montgomery kind of make the the one two punch, or at least that's that's what you hope happens, barring any injury to either of them. Now, there are players like John Crockett and Don Jackson who I, I both of whom I believe are exclusive light rights free agents. Um I, I I had heard this somewhere from a, a a beat writer on the Green Bay Packers. I wish I could remember who it was. I I don't even remember now if it was on Twitter, if it was in an article. They said they don't anticipate the Packers re-signing John Crockett. Um, uh, why? I'm not really sure. I I don't think there's a whole lot of hurt in doing so for a guy who's been around for two years. But anyway, I do expect the Packers to re-sign Don Jackson, bring him back for depth purposes, see what he's got. Um, it certainly will help that he'd be around for an entire offseason. You remember for a while he dealt with injury, an injury during the offseason last year, missed some time and during like mini camp, things like that. So that'll help him being around. But yeah, then I, I see the Packers adding a rookie at some point. I don't expect it to be high. Um, uh, well, I, I shouldn't say that. In the event that James Starks does sign somewhere else, maybe they would draft one. Maybe not first round, but uh, day two perhaps. I, I suppose I shouldn't rule it out this early, but we're going to have to play the wait and see game, of course, there. But easily, in the mid to late rounds, you could see the Packers adding a running back at some point. Um, it, it just that's the way the NFL goes nowadays. I wouldn't I wouldn't propose that the Packers really have to spend an early round draft pick, even a day two on a running back, even if James Starks leaves. You can find guys mid to late rounds, even undrafted ones and good ones, uh, running backs. It, it's just the way it works. Uh, you know, the, the most talented players on the field everywhere in colleges across the nation, the frequently the most talented players are the running backs. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just when you, when you grow up, I mean, when you're playing peewee football, middle school football, high school football, who are the best athletes on the team? The running backs, the, the guy they give the ball to 20 plus times a game. Um, and it just stays that way as it filters up through the levels um, as you get, even get up to college. A lot of talented guys, and that's why you can find guys in the mid to late rounds, good ones at running backs. Is it 
Is it guaranteed you're going to find a good one? Not necessarily. But yeah, uh, so to sum it up, and I've kind of been all over the place here with, with this topic, I, I do think the Packers will re-sign James Starks to team with Ty Montgomery. I think that's the most likely outcome. No guarantees, but that's the that's the opinion you're getting on this show today. <clears throat> and then finally, before we move on from this topic here, uh, just just one last time, uh, you know, it's I think we should just take a moment to thank James Starks for his contributions to a Super Bowl victory in in 2010. Happened to be his rookie season. Uh, but if you can remember back to that time and the Packers were dealing with injuries at the running back position, Brandon Jackson was injured and even he wasn't doing all that well for the Packers at the time, but they needed somebody, anybody to step in at that point. And, and James Starks was the guy and and played very well down the stretch, um, for the Packers. It's it's scary to think had he not been around, what would what would the Packers have done that year at the running back position? It was almost as a dire a, a need as this year when Ty Montgomery stepped in, uh, but James Starks, you know, held down the fort back in 2010 on the way to a Super Bowl victory. It was a it was a fun playoff run watching him as the the running back for basically all four playoff games. And and he did a good job, especially considering the situation, especially considering he started the season with an injury, especially considering he was a rookie and didn't have all that many reps under his belt. Um, Considering the, the injury situation the Packers had at the running back position, uh, all those things just made it all the more remarkable that James Starks was able to step in and and help the Packers win a Super Bowl ring in XLV. So thank you to James Starks um, for for you know everything you did to help the Packers bring a Vince Lombardi Trophy back to Green Bay. All right, um, I uh, solicited some questions on social media. Um, I, I didn't know yesterday that the, the Packers were going to release James Starks. I'm like, I, I need some time to fill. And, and I probably didn't need it now that the Packers talked about James Starks. And we, we got quite a bit of mileage out of that one topic. But still, a lot of people uh, submitted questions. And I kind of wanted to uh, go through some of them here and, and just talk uh, about some Packers topics um, maybe not quite as length as we went to about James Starks, but still, uh, questions people have about the Packers, you know, the off season, especially coming up here. I got a quite, uh, all these from Twitter here from WBA MMA on Twitter asks, can you see Aaron Rodgers restructuring his current deal to free up more cap space? And that's a difficult question because we've actually seen Tom Brady do that before with the New England Patriots. And what I'll say is this. If it does happen, it would be more about moving money around. Uh, I just don't think you go to your best player on the team and, and ask him to you know, take less money. Um, or if you do, it would only be in a very, very modest, you know, reduction, more about moving around, you know, salary cap space. There's so many different ways they can configure contracts to figure out, you know, how much money is allocated to each year of his contract and things like that. 
but Aaron Rodgers is the one guy who is earning his contract more than anybody else on the roster. I just don't think you go to him to look for that money uh, there when there are other places you can do that, like releasing Jim. They just made the first move. The first domino fell with, with James Starks. You may see another one coming with, with Sam Shields. Um, the Packers are probably going to take their time with that one because they're not in a rush. They, they, don't, they don't need the salary cap space, especially any time before free agency. Uh, so, you know, they got till basically the month here to, to figure things out. And they may take the entire month to see how Sam Shields is, is feeling. So it, it, we may not see it happen right away. Basically, you know, the, the, trying to s- sum this up here, if it ha- it could happen, I just don't see it as likely. And if it does, it's, it's more about moving money around. You're not going to see Aaron Rodgers take a big you know, hit just so the Packers could go to free agency. It could happen, uh, but there are other more likely routes the Packers are going to take, like releasing James Starks, or like releasing Sam Shields, and and not re-signing guys like big-ticket guys like Julius Peppers. Um, question from Mike Smith on Twitter. Is everything settled in the front office, or do you expect any big changes coming? Um, if we're talking about, you know, this year and this year only, I think things are basically settled. Um, I, I think you saw that when, when, uh, Elliot Wolf declined the to and, and Brian Gutekunst for that matter, both of them turned down the 49ers general manager job or, or came out of the running at least out, out of that. And, uh, uh, I believe both, you know, agreed to new deals with the Green Bay Packers or got a raise, something along those lines. We don't know. That's about all we know. We don't know the exact money they signed for. Nobody's reported that, but they both apparently have gotten, you know, restructured deals with the Green Bay Packers. I think everybody's just settling in until Ted Thompson retires. And I don't think anything's going to happen this year. But maybe next off season you could start to see something happening here. You know, I mean, the, there's just things we don't know about as as fans. Uh, I think Ted Thompson very well may have made his his intentions known to like Mark Murphy, saying, "I'm going to stick around for the 2017 season and and I'm going to walk away after that, or I'm going to stick around for 2017." And stick around for just the draft in 2018, but after the draft, going to step down, something like that. That would not surprise me whatsoever. And and I just see all the rest of the guys, you know, the the Elliot Wolfs, the Brian Gudikinsts, the Alonzo Highsmiths, the Russ Balls. They're just kind of going to stay in place for now, um, uh, and, and and bide their time. One of them will be the general manager when Ted Thompson is gone. And the others, well, uh, even if they don't become general manager, they move up in the pecking order. Uh, they kind of become maybe the so-called right-hand man, uh, the second-in-command, uh, and maybe eventually one of them moves on or things like that uh, to another post, uh, one that could be more to their liking. We'll see. Uh, but I, I expect for the next calendar year, 
we're not going to see any change or if it is, you know, if we see maybe a guy just changes titles or something like that, but that might be the only small kind of thing that might happen. Question from Jesse Armbrust on Twitter. What's BJ Raji up to? Um, that's actually an interesting question because uh, if you to to refresh your memory, uh, BJ Raji went into temporary retirement last off season. Um, it was kind of said at the time that he was going to just kind of take it, you know, year by year, and, and wasn't really committed to stepping away long term. And you know what? We've never heard from him, or I haven't at least. Uh, I haven't seen him spoke to the media or speak to the media or anything. But I do think the writing is on the wall in Green Bay. I think they're fairly set, at least for 2017. I'm not sure about long term on the defensive line, although they're pretty good there as well. But when the Packers invested into the Kenny Clark in the first round, they were basically committing to a guy who's they expect to be around for a long time and a guy who would take snaps away from BJ Raji even if he was still around. Um so I I I assume the most likely scenario is that BJ Raji just stays retired, just kind of status quo. Um I I can't guarantee it. Like I said, I've never heard from BJ Raji even an interview from him since this happened. Maybe he's itching to get back into the game and maybe the Packers are very happy to let him do that with another NFL team. I'm not I can't even remember if they still have the rights to him or not. Um but they would probably be happy to let him test the market if need be or I guess his contract expired, didn't it? So he would be a free agent. Um yeah, is it, it, my it's all kind of coming back to me right now. Um, so yeah, I I don't see him coming back to Green Bay with with not just Kenny Clark, but you've got also under contract for 2017. You got Mike Daniels, you got Latroy Guyon, and yeah, maybe you need some some depth there. They do have Dean Lowry, of course, who's who's under contract as well. Maybe they got to get somebody to you know replace Mike Pinnell. Uh, but they're probably going to do that with a rookie, and that's a, that's a totally understandable place that the Packers could do that. Um, they're not they they're set with Daniels, Guyon, and Clark. They don't need Raji. They just need young depth, and and it's fine for it's fine for that kind of person, the kind of like rotational defensive lineman to come from the draft and not free agency. That's an appropriate place to look for that. So, yeah. Uh, th- thanks, BJ. Just like James Starks, thanks for your contributions to a Super Bowl victory and Super Bowl XLV. Hope retirement is is treating you well. Uh, and then another question from Jeff Arndt on Twitter: Should the Packers ask Randall Cobb or Clay Matthews to take a pay cut? And you know, we, we of course uh, talked to um, Pete Doherty on the show uh, just last Friday. And he, of course, kind of, you know, he kind of maybe initiated this conversation because of the column he wrote at the Green Bay Press-Gazette. <clears throat> I'm not sure that it happens. Um, 
you can sit there and look that both these guys are are what the second and third highest player paid players on the Packers roster and unlike Aaron Rodgers who is living up to his contract maybe Randall Cobb and and Clay Matthews aren't but the the risk you take with these guys is is if you ask them for a pay cut and then they decline then you have to be ready to cut them and I especially don't think you do that with Randall Cobb, even if he isn't quite living up to his contract. Randall Cobb sure can be a threat, as we saw in the playoff game against the New York Giants when he had probably the best game of the season, at the very least. Randall Cobb can still be very dangerous out of the slot, especially when other guys are taking pressure off of him. And a lot of guys did this past year. When the Packers are at full strength with their receiving core, when Jordy Nelson's out there and, and, and Jared Cook are out there and Devontae Adams is living up to his end of the bargain, Randall Cobb can be a threat out of the slot, especially if he's healthy. I just think nothing happens there. He just comes back at the same contract. And same with Clay Matthews. <clears throat> it's I'm frustrated with Clay Matthews. I think everybody is. But you just got to bite the bullet and, and, and hope he's healthy. Um I think uh, we kind of talked about with Pete Doherty there. What are the Packers going to do with Clay Mathers? Are they going to leave him at inside linebacker or uh, inside or outside? And I think it could depend upon what the Packers do in the draft. If if they end up drafting an outside linebacker high, maybe you move him inside. If they end up taking an inside linebacker high, maybe he stays outside. So you're kind of playing that wait-and-see game with Clay Matthews, and it's unfortunate, but I just, he, he, when healthy, he can be good, even if he's not the, you know, the 12, the dozen sack kind of guy, even if he's getting seven, six or seven sacks, I mean, he can at least be a contributing positive member of the team doing that if it's on a rotational basis. And I, th- I think you just have to accept that. I, I, It's possible these guys could take a pay cut. Uh, once again, I don't think it's likely. Uh, kind of a different situation than the other question we got about Aaron Rodgers taking the pay cut there. Um, so that's the way I feel. Um, doesn't mean I'm right. You may have a different opinion. Other people may have a different opinion. Uh, but that's what you're getting here on Railbird Central and moving on. The day ahead. All right, the season might be over, but there's one Packers player still taking part in competitive sports. Quarterback Aaron Rodgers plays in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am this weekend, the annual longtime golf tournament, something he's done for several consecutive years now. His playing partner is Wisconsin's own pro golfer, Jerry Kelly. Apparently the weather is really terrible uh, out in the Bay Area of California, just brutal um, but the show goes on. Uh, there was actually a really good article written on Rogers and Kelly playing in the Pebble Beach uh, Pro-Am yesterday in a tune-up, just kind of a uh, a practice round. That, that, that article was really good. It was by the Associated Press, so I suggest you Google it just with the keywords Aaron Rodgers, Pebble Beach, Associated Press. I'm sure it'll pop right up. Um, Rodgers plays in a practice round again on Wednesday, followed by the tournament itself starting on Thursday. Coverage is on the Gulf Channel on Thursday. And if you happen to live in the area, 
I saw tickets are still available both for the practice round on Wednesday and the tournament itself. So there you go. Uh, there's a Packers player. You, you can watch Aaron Rodgers this weekend in a competitive environment, albeit not on a football field. But at this time of year, in February, this is all we've got going for us. So there you go. That's that's what's happening in the day ahead here. And uh, we'll we'll track how he does over the course of the weekend, see if he's in the running to win the the fun Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Of course, uh, there's all sorts of celebrities, not just Aaron Rodgers. There are all sorts of celebrities from sports or entertainment, uh, mo- movies and television playing in the tournament as well, known for Bill Murray making a fool of himself uh, all over the golf course. It's a very fun event and at one of the coolest and best golf courses on the planet. So uh, check it out if you're into that sort of thing. But that does it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us today. Today's show is brought to you by Beer Rock, Madison's upcoming craft beer bar looking to open in the coming months, of which I am the prospective owner Please give us a follow on Twitter at Beerock Madison. That's spelled B-I-E-R-O-C-K, Madison, the city that I live in, of course. Um, we're not open yet. We hope to in the coming months, and uh, appropriately, we're trying to get the word out on social media. So thanks a lot, folks, for joining us today. Uh, it was fun to talk about James Stark. Say farewell to him, and uh, we'll be back again this upcoming Friday, we'll have our monthly engagement with Scott McKenna of the Talkin' Smack blog. Already know uh, our, who our guest is and what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be ranking the positions of need on the Green Bay Packers. We're going to go position by position and say, this one needs the most need on the roster. This one needs the least help. It's going to be a lot of fun talking to Scott about that. So, uh Plan for that on Friday, Monday, uh, Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8.30 a.m. Central Time, the live edition of the show, podcasted on demand later in the day. We'll see you, folks. Um, I leave you today with a song called In the Kitchen by Umphreys McGee on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. Go, pack, go. Home. The air felt different and it started the show.